please turn your Bible to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, where we will begin reading at verse 14. And on this first Sunday in our temporary worship home, uh, over the next year or so, I want to bring us back to this truth, this joyful truth that we'll be learning about in deeper ways here more so than we could learn back on Black Rock Turnpike. And the powerful truth that we will experience here is the truth that Black Rock Church is not a building. We are a body. We are a people, not a place. We are a people, and today I would like us to take a look at the kind of people God is calling us to be. And to do this, I'd like us to study one of my all-time favorite Bible teachings about who we are as a church. And this teaching comes from the Apostle Paul's letter to the church in the Greek city of Philippi. And these are God's words to Black Rock Church today. Philippians 2, starting at verse 14. Do everything without complaining or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation, in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. Don't you love this imagery for who we are as followers of Jesus? God says that We shine like stars in the universe. This is who we are. Stars shining in the universe. We are stars together as a church. But there is equal emphasis here in the language of this scripture. uh, Equal emphasis on the individual Christ follower. That we uh, are individually stars that God spreads strategically throughout the darkness of our region of the night sky. God calls you to be a star. God has placed you in a specific area in this dark world, and God calls you to shine like a star in the night sky. So how are you doing, starshine? If you are God's child in Christ... God has placed you in the darkness of your school or your neighborhood or your workplace or some other strategic place, your extended family, some other strategic place where you can shine as God's star witness in that darkness. So how is that going for you? And you may say, well, I'm not really sure what it means to be a star in my part of the universe. What does it mean that I'm supposed to be a star witness? Well, this is a great question, and it's the question that the Apostle Paul answers in the words that we study today, beginning with that first phrase in verse 14, where Paul explains that to become a star witness, I must cut complaining. Uh, That's verse 14. Do everything without complaining or arguing. When it comes to being a star witness who shines with Jesus in this world, uh, the place I need to start is with my tendency 
to moan and groan about things in life. The Greek word for complaining uh, here is a word that means to gripe out loud. And hearing this, you may say, well, I'm in the clear. Because, you see, uh, I'm one of those people who has lots of complaints, but I keep them all to myself. I'm a quiet person. Uh, I'm sorry, quiet people, uh, but you're not in the clear uh, because of the next word. The next word in verse 14 is, and no arguing. That word arguing in the Greek actually refers to an inner attitude. Uh, The Greek word for arguing is dialogismos, where the first part of the word dia means the space between. And then the second part is from logos, which everyone knows here is the word, Greek word for word. So the Greek word for arguing, dialogismos, is referring to a negative attitude that lies in the space between our words. Isn't that nice? So Paul is saying that in order to uh, shine in my world, I need to cut out griping in my words and between my words. To shine, I must stop complaining with my mouth and with my mind. Now, what kind of complaining are we talking about? Uh, Well, there are at least three types of complaining. And the first is whining, where the... uh, The word whining is spelled with a W-H-Y because a whiner keeps saying, Why? Why don't I get the stuff I want? Or why does this or that not go the way I wanted? Or why do bad things happen to me? Why me? Why? Why? The second type of complaining is a little less annoying. It's, uh, it's nitpicking. Uh, nitpickers have this eye problem uh, that makes it uh, so that they miss many of the good things in their life. Uh, they can't see the blessings uh, that they should be thankful for. Uh, they're blind to all the things that God has done for them and given them. But they have 20-20 vision when it comes to nits. Uh, nitpickers see nits everywhere. Uh, nitpickers can see all the imperfections in life. Uh, they critique the people around them, and they rehearse the ways that people have failed them or let them down. Nitpickers see problems uh, in everything around them, uh, and they see so many problems in everyone around them and see so many problems everywhere they go that it makes you want to say to them, did did you ever think the problem might be you? (laughs) Uh, No, nitpickers don't see that. Uh, Nitpickers do not see their own nits because so much of their complaining is pride. Nitpickers see themselves as righteous judges over everyone. Even God. It's a spiritual problem. Uh, The third type of complaining is grumbling. And this is where we see that complaining comes in all three tenses, past, present, and future. Whining is complaining, why me, about the past, 
Nitpicking is complaining about imperfections in the present. And grumbling is complaining about the future. Grumblers have a negative outlook that makes them complain about things that haven't even happened yet. Uh, They're full of worry because the future just doesn't look good. Grumblers cannot enjoy today because they are sure that something bad is right around the corner. Now, what God tells me in Philippians chapter 2 is that I will never shine unless I stop whining, stop nitpicking, and stop grumbling my way through life. Now, you may be asking, why is it that God takes complaining so seriously? Well, the answer to the question is actually in a phrase in our text here. And the answer is in kind of a code. Uh, The code phrase appears in verse 15, which says, Become children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation. Paul knew that most of the recipients of his letter uh, knew the Old Testament and that they would immediately recognize this phrase, crooked and depraved generation. And as soon as they heard that phrase, they would know who said it and when. Uh, And you know, you do the same thing. Uh, I can give you a little phrase and you know exactly who said it and when. If I say, that's one small step for man, you know, that was Neil Armstrong. Very good. If I say, um, ask not what your country can do for you, you know, that's John F. Kennedy. Thank you. A history major. Uh, And then also if I say, I have a dream. You know, that's Martin Luther King. Uh, And then if I say, uh, every day is sweater vest day. You know, that's, of course, Pastor Dan. And uh, (laughs) Pastor Dan, sure. And and as I I pick on uh, Dan here, uh, I just want to thank Dan also because uh, he'll be uh, leading us in our teaching over the next uh, couple of Sundays as I follow God's call to uh, a missions trip in Africa. And uh, so for the next couple of weeks, uh, just say yes to the vest. So, so, you know, you can hear a soundbite, right? And you can know immediately who said it and when. Well, uh, just like you can hear a soundbite and know who said it, a good part of the Philippian readers who received Paul's letter, when they heard crooked and depraved generation, they immediately said, well, Paul is referring to Moses' most famous sermon. In Deuteronomy chapter 32, Moses preached a sermon about how soon after God parted the Red Sea uh, to rescue his people from slavery, his people started to complain. Uh, They started to complain that they didn't have enough food. And so God miraculously provided for them bread from heaven called manna. And then they started to complain that they were tired of manna. They whined. Why? Why did we have to leave Egypt? They nitpicked. We're tired of manna. What about some meat? And they grumbled, we'll never get into the promised land. There's giants in there. They'll step on us. Uh, We're doomed. We're defeated. Let's go back to Egypt. And at the high point of his sermon, Moses 
preached against these complainers. And in Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 5, this is how he described them. He said, They are no longer God's children, but a crooked and depraved generation. And by quoting these words, Paul is bringing up the major point of Moses' sermon. uh, That by definition, God's children are those who trust their Heavenly Father. And by definition, complainers are people who do not trust God. Those who complain their way through life are not God's children. They are not part of God's family. They're part of some other family. They are part of a crooked and depraved generation. Do you see what Moses and Paul are saying? The reason God takes complaining so seriously is because whenever I complain, I am saying... We're making a theological statement. I am saying that I am not a child of God. Whenever I complain about anything, I'm saying I don't have a Father God who is strong enough to take control of the details of my life. I don't have a Father God who loves me enough to take care of me. I don't have a Father God who is good to me. If you ask God, He will tell you that His children, those who trust Him, do not complain. People who trust their Father God do not whine. Why me? They do not nitpick about the imperfect things in life. They do not grumble with negativity and worry or fear over the future. God's children truly believe that God is good to them and that there is blessing to be found in the easy times and also in the hardest of times. And because God's children do not whine or nitpick or grumble, they stand out like stars shining in a dark night sky. If you cut complaining out of your life, you will stand out for God. You will stand out in your workplace. You will stand out in your extended family. You will stand out everywhere you go. You know, every once in a while, uh, I don't do hospital visitation very often now, but uh, every once in a while I go to the hospital and uh, sometimes I not only visit BlackRock people, but I also see relatives of BlackRock people who are not Christ followers. And uh, one time I was asked by a a BlackRocker to uh, visit one of his unchurched relatives in the hospital. And it just so happened that there was also a BlackRock person on the same floor. Uh, So I went to this, uh, see these two people on the same floor, on the same floor because they had the same serious medical problem. And even though they had the same problem, uh, there was a huge difference between the man who is a child of God and the man who is not. Uh, I first went to the room of the BlackRock man, and he was one of these star witnesses uh, we're talking about today. 
Uh, he was kind to the doctors and nurses. Uh, he had smiles and encouragement for anyone who walked into his room. And he knew all the medical staff by name. And I knew that uh, because when I walked into his room, it was like the entire medical staff was in his room. And uh, uh, they made it obvious that the reason they loved hanging out in his room was there was two reasons. The first is that they loved just being in the warm glow of this star-shining man. And the second reason they were all in his room is because they were hiding from the other guy that I was supposed to visit. Uh, they had him in the, uh, the crooked and depraved wing, if you know what I mean. And... Um, how do God's children shine? God's children shine in this world by facing the same difficulties, the same hardships, the same pain that everyone else faces. But because they trust their Father God, they don't gripe. But through those dark trials, they shine. They don't gripe in their words or between their words. And that really makes them stand out in this world. Just think about stars for a moment. Um, when do stars come out? Uh, trick question, uh, actually. Scientifically, stars don't come out, do they? Stars are out all the time. It's just that stars become visible when the background is dark. This is why God's star witnesses don't complain about the dark patches in their life or in the surrounding culture. Because of the darkness, that's when God's star shine can really be seen in my life. In the darkness of disappointment and difficulty, that's when I really get to shine as a witness of God's goodness and love in my life. So God tells me to stop complaining about the darkness and just shine. God tells me to stop complaining about the fact that our culture and our lost world is so dark and just shine. God tells me to stop complaining about the things in my life that are imperfect or dark or disappointing and just shine. Our uh, transition period here at Notre Dame is a wonderful opportunity for us to prove how God's people shine in circumstances that could cause other people to just complain. So when it comes to the parts of this Notre Dame experience that are not ideal, don't whine, shine. All right? And let's take that motto to... Uh, everywhere in our lives. To become a star witness, I must cut complaining. But there's more. Next, Paul says, to become a star witness, I must pursue purity. Paul turns to the issue of purity in verse 15 when he writes, become blameless and pure children of God. Now, one thing to get straight uh, is this. Although I shine as a child of God and follower of Jesus, I am not the source of the light. Uh, I only shine in the darkness to the degree that Jesus shines his life through me. Jesus is the light source. Now, a flashlight, if you picture a flashlight, a flashlight has a bulb, and the bulb does the shining. 
But over the bulb is a lens. Uh, And if the lens is dirty, the light can't get through. If I'm a Christ follower, there is a bulb of light in me, and that's Jesus. But over the bulb is the lens of my life. And so pursuing purity is the process of cleaning the dirty layers of me so that Jesus' life can shine through the lens of my life. Pursuing purity is getting serious about allowing God to strip away my self-centeredness dirt and my selfishness dirt. And the more I remove my self-focus, the more I can shine with Jesus. And this is what it means to be a star witness. It is living a life that proves that Jesus is alive. A witness testifies to the agape love of Jesus. Agape is the Greek word that the writers of the New Testament reserve for God's kind of love, which is sacrificial love, unconditional love, love and forgiveness that uh, only is divine and not human in its origin. The way we testify that we have experienced This agape love and forgiveness of God is by pursuing purity in our lives. But it's sometimes not the way I would guess. I assume that being a star witness for God means that I impress people with my perfect purity and my... uh, the fact that I don't make mistakes. I never lose my temper. I never have a bad day. But that's wrong. My best opportunities don't come from impressing people with my perfect purity, but with the process of purity. Sometimes my best opportunities to witness are when I fail. Sometimes I I, I most witness to the power of Jesus' love and forgiveness when people see me fail. And when they then see me respond in pursuing purity as I reconcile with those that I have hurt or I draw on God's grace to become better and stronger in those weak places, that's the greatest witness I can have uh, and shine like a star in this universe. You know, a few years ago, um, at the end of my message one Sunday, I invited a, a longtime BlackRock member who, uh, to come up to the microphone, and uh, he confessed that he had cheated. Uh, he confessed how he had taken part in a Social Security fraud, and before it was made public, uh, and he paid for his crime, uh, he knew that God wanted him to personally and publicly stand before his church family and confess what he did wrong. And so he repented publicly before us all, and then through his tears, he asked for our forgiveness. And that's when I then turned to you, and I invited you to stand on an individual basis if you wanted to respond to his confession uh, with an expression of forgiveness, and something beautiful happened. Not only did each of you leap to your feet, but you turned it into a standing ovation. And everyone knew that the applause was in no way condoning the crime, 
but it was an outpouring of approval upon a man who was a star witness of the forgiving power of Jesus. It was an outpouring of approval on a man who was pursuing purity through humility and confession. And I know people who point to that man's public confession as the moment when they finally understood God's love and forgiveness through what Jesus did on the cross. And you know what? It could be the same thing for you. As you pursue purity, as you are honest about your failures and sincere about your confessing them, it could be that your failures will actually become your greatest witness to the power of God's forgiveness. Because the freedom that we experience in God's forgiveness is one of the reasons you shine like a star in the universe. Uh, The people around you are desperate. They are desperate to escape the darkness of their guilt and shame and regret and their powerlessness over sin in their lives. Your freedom over past failures and your freedom to pursue purity on a regular basis makes you a star. Because this is what people secretly crave in life in this dark world. So shine. Shine as a child of God who pursues purity out of the freedom of forgiveness and the experience of God's agape love. So to be a star witness, I must cut complaining and I must pursue purity. That's not perfection, but pursue purity through an honest desire to please God. And then to become a star witness, I must give God's word. Uh, Verse 16. You shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. God wants you to shine like a star in the universe. Today, when we think of stars, what do we think of? We think, wow, they're really pretty. Very pretty. But in Paul's day, stars were not considered decoration. They were considered essential for navigation. How did the ancient mariners sail around the globe and then find their way home? They followed the stars. How did the ancient caravans travel around the world and then find their way home? They followed the stars. When God calls you to be a star, he is not calling you to twinkle. He's calling you to do your part to help lost people Find their way home to him. Matthew 5, verse 16, Jesus says, You are the light of the world, so let your light shine before everyone. Notice that Jesus makes this a command. Shining is not an option. It's not just an elective activity. No, being a navigational star that brings people home to God is who I must be, who you must be. If I'm a follower of Jesus, I must shine 
by extending myself to talk to others about Jesus, by giving God's word of life to people that he puts into my circle of relationships, by loving people enough to give testimony as a star witness of God's agape love. So let me suggest, if you are a follower of Jesus today, let me just uh, suggest a next step. I suggest that you make a list. Make a list of the people in your life who you are close to but who are far from God. And then start praying for each person on the list, particularly praying for opportunities for you to give them God's word of life. And then look over that list one more time. And then look over that list and ask whether there is anyone on that list who might be willing to accept your invitation to worship with you here at Notre Dame. Think about the people. We truly believe that there are people in your life who would worship with you in Notre Dame here who may never follow you to Black Rock Turnpike. Think about the people in your life and whether there is someone who would accept your invitation to uh, this place. Don't be bashful about giving God's word to others. This is who you are. People are desperate for what only a relationship with God can provide. And God has placed you strategically in your part of the night sky so that you can extend God's word of life to those in your section of darkness. You are God's witnesses. We are God's witnesses. So, BlackRock, let's cut complaining. Let's pursue purity. Let's give God's word like never before here in our new neighborhood. And then let's shine here at Notre Dame. And then let's shine throughout this whole dark region as God's star witnesses for his glory and our joy in Jesus Christ. Would you please stand as we close? I'd like to uh, just give you uh, one moment just to, to think about your list and uh, the person that is on your list who might be someone who would accept your invitation here who would never accept an invitation to Black Rock Turnpike. Would you just think about your list for a moment and what would it mean for you to be a star witness? Thank you, God, for for giving us a whole new purpose in the darkness. Our purpose in this dark world is to shine like stars in the universe. And so, Lord, uh, we thank you for the darkness. We thank you for the darkness uh, in our culture that allows us to shine. We thank you for the dark patches in our own lives that allow us to shine like we would not be able to otherwise. Lord, would you just now use us as your star witnesses for your glory and our joy. And all God's people said, Amen. Thank you. See you next time.